podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. British cyclists have won more medals at the last three Olympics than any other sport in Team GB. The Paralympics has been dominated by the Brits as well. The success has been driven by some famous moments on the velodrome track, from Sir Chris Hoy to Laura Kenny and Kadena Cox. But as we head into another Games, can the Brits beat the rest again? I'm Michael. And I'm John, and this is Great British Bosses, where we speak to the men and women behind the scenes of sport in this country, the ones making the decisions and picking the teams. In this episode, we get down and into the detail with someone whose job is to do just that too. And will he settle an argument after we dubbed British Cycling the Medal Factory on our last visit to Manchester? My name is Stephen Park. I'm the Performance Director for the Great Britain Cycling Team at British Cycling. In a high-performing organisation where you've got a big leadership role, the perception would be that you are bulletproof. But this has been an extraordinary time for ordinary people. So how are you? You okay? Uh, yeah, not bad, thank you. Um, you're right, it's, it has had its challenges. I think when we, when we set off into you know, lockdown one uh, a year ago, <laughs> you know, we were all wondering whether it was going to last all the way to, to the summer. And, and here we are 12 months on with uh, on and off. And um, I think uh, with the postponement of the Olympics and the Paralympics, uh, while that was quite good to get that initial confirmation and clarity for for the athletes, um, you know, there still was a look forward to, to Tokyo. Everyone's still hoping that we're going to get there in the end. But of course, there's a bit of uncertainty. Um, so it's made, made it challenging. Um, it's made it challenging for our group as a whole. Um, on a personal level, I'm, I'm kind of really fortunate because, uh, you know, we do actually have a, a really good, tight team. And, and certainly around me, the senior leadership team we have in Great Britain Cycling Team have, have actually pulled together really well over the this pandemic. It has resulted in them working harder and longer and days starting earlier. Um, but uh, they've certainly been working hard to actually try and support each other as well. So, um, but yeah, it, when you're sitting at home day after day looking at the screen on uh, whether it's Zoom or Teams calls or whatever. I think we're all pretty keen to, to get it back to competition as quickly as we possibly can. I think we all miss that uh, competition and uh, meeting friends and uh, out, out on the circuit. What's been the biggest challenge for you and your colleagues? Probably just uh, so maintaining that environment and focus, I suspect, is probably the biggest single piece. I mean, we've clearly had some challenges uh, more practically around you know, the actual events that are taking place, events cancellation, the challenges of attending events, who can attend events. Um, you know, we've had that very recently, right up until, you know, a few days before about who can actually go and who can't go and whether you can get there or whether you can't get there. Um, managing uh, as best we can the government's return to training guidance and trying to work closely with the DCMS, recognising the challenges they have. In, in terms of trying to support elite sport, but equally recognising the, the social agenda and being conscious of the challenges that the country as a whole faces. Um, and of course, uh, early on, sort of accessing, making sure we could still access and have continuity of training um, and the changes that that's brought, um, both, both whether that's training indoors, which for us is uh, velodrome and, and BMX activity, um, or, or indeed whether it's outdoors of the winter, primarily road racing activity, which of course at this time of year uh, in the main would have been warm weather training 
over the over the last couple of months where uh, the majority of our people have had to fit their mudguards, uh, get some extra layers of warm weather clothing on and get out there into the, the Peak District and get on with it. Is there anything that's been beneficial, Stephen, that actually you go, actually, we'll carry on doing that? Certainly, there have been, for sure, a number of lessons learned and, uh, by uh, by riders and by coaches. Um, I think that there's, there's there's been some very specific individual beneficial pieces where we've had some athletes that perhaps were having some challenges um, challenges along the road. Um, so just in, in, you know, in the, in the big first half of last year, for example, uh, uh, Laura Kelly was struggling with you know, a couple of falls one after the other in, in some of the track world cups and having to recover from injury. And there was a bit of a race against time to kind of be, be back fit uh, for a summer games. Um, so if you take that as a very specific example, the opportunity for her to then have a, f- a proper full recovery, not have the pressure of having to race, um, make sure she was recovered, get back into training, get herself into a place where now she's really on form again um, and, and looking forward. So on that level individually, um, there's, it's been beneficial. I think there's, you know, the challenges of, of when to train and when to race um, and, and how to balance that. Um, there's, of course, there's more you always learn around that, but but that's balanced with the challenges of having to race to actually qualify enough qualification points for, for the various events that you might want to go to, in a, in a primarily, of course, around the, the Olympics. And, and that itself has produced some challenges for us because, um, you know, as we look forward towards the game, some of the, some of the qualification process, processes are still ongoing. Um, but indeed, some of the qualification events are, are still being cancelled. Um, and, and of course, there have been some athletes in different parts of the world who have been able to continue attending some of the events that allow them to qualify points towards their individual ranking, towards Olympic ranking, where uh, British um, riders have been prevented from doing that because of the, the lockdown rules that we have here. Um, that's just how it is. And, and we're obviously working with our international federation, the UCI, to to try and make sure we, we try and mitigate as best we can, but we, we have to just be realistic about it and recognise that's the circumstance we're in. And there has been a few kind of high-profile uh, Paralympic athletes who decided that actually they're going to stop and actually retire in the, in the last year. They would have gone to, to Tokyo, but didn't want to carry that on. That's right. So just as we've said, for some individuals like Laura, it, it came quite timely. Uh, I mean, as it happens, I think she would have got back for the game as, as it happens in her case. But I just say on the other side, uh, Sophie Thornhill, who's a reigning Paralympic champion, you know, she was again doing particularly well, world champion, the run into the into the Paralympics. But just that extra year was just was another year too far. You know, she was looking to move on from her Paralympic uh, experience after a Tokyo twenty twenty games, have a change of career, and she just felt she, you know, she she'd been at it long enough and uh, she needed to kind of crack on with the next the next step of her life and so unfortunate for her for us nice that she's been able to go out on a high if you like at that point but um yeah disappointing in terms of of games performance now of course we're we're working hard to have her replacement uh, come up to speed as quickly as possible to fit into that slot and hopefully um we'll still be there there in the running in that particular event in the in the tandem when we get to the velodrome uh, in the in the Paralympics with with uh, Helen Scott, 
uh, her pilot. So he's, he's been working hard in terms of bringing on new riders over this last last few months. I'm interested in your role, Stephen, at British Cycling. We've got track cycling, we've got road cycling, mountain biking, we've got the para program, we've got BMX, BMX freestyle coming into the games. Yeah. How do you find the time to keep across all of that at the level of detail that you need to as the performance director? Bluntly, you don't. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, you're trying, you know, you're, you're trying to um, trying to do your best, but bluntly, it's it's pretty much Im- impossible because of the the breadth. I mean, we we obviously are working very hard to try and um, uh, empower all of our coaches to take the lead in each of those different disciplines. Um, we do have program managers that are then looking after whether it's a Paralympic program or a podium program or a pathway program. Um, and regular dialogue with those, if you like, my kind of key reports in that regard. And of course, just um, regular check-ins, discipline by discipline. As it happens today, I was speaking to a number of the number of the different coaches, keeping up on what, what they're up to. And and by each of those disciplines at the very to- at the sort of Olympic and Paralympic level, um, we do have a, a review which we run every month for each each of those different disciplines to look at the progress they're making against their against their targets and against the direction of travel, how they're doing against their, um, if you like, the trajectory towards the, where they think they'll be come games time, but also the some of the short-term measures that they've got in place, the activity they've got in place, what, what they've just completed, what they're just doing, what challenges they've got, where they need some support, um, where they need us just to keep out the way, as it were, and, and to, to, to try and make sure there's nothing in the way. Um, so, yeah, so we do that every month um, for each of those different disciplines and then keep up to date with all the different reports in the, in the meantime. So it keeps us all all very busy, but we try to make sure that they all feel empowered to, to lead on their own individual disciplines as well. And as we sit here in mid-March with an Olympics in mid-July into August and then the Paralympics to follow without obviously naming names, but do you know the makeup of your Olympic and Paralympic teams across all those disciplines at this point? Well, we haven't got to, we haven't actually got to the point of selection meetings. Uh, They'll come um, later in the year in a couple of months time. Um, But I think that the majority, the majority of the athletes and the majority of the disciplines know, you know, they know the key, athletes are in their in their discipline they know whether they're uh in the running or whether they're not in the running or whether they're fighting out for a for a place uh, I, I suspect that um if you asked uh all of our podium athletes and all of our podium staff i suppose they'd probably uh if you ask them now they probably name 80 percent of the team today i suspect um if we look back on it and that and that's not because they don't necessarily have a view about who the other 20 percent are but there there's some places where people are still fighting out for for those slots um and in some of the disciplines you know we have a number of riders any of whom could move in so you know a women's endurance discipline as a for example you know we have a uh we have a a whole host of very talented uh female riders in that in that program uh, we can only take a certain number of them to the games and some will miss out. Um, but uh, they'll miss out because others are better. They won't miss out because they're not actually of the ability to go and win medals themselves. And that, of course, is one of the challenges because some of them will be sitting at home watching 
the games and they'll know that if they had had been picked for that team that they almost certainly would be in the same position and hopefully that position will be standing on the top of the podium. How much pressure is there, Stephen, to maintain the success of British cycling? Beijing, London, Rio. You arrived in, in 2017 after Rio from, from British sailing, which was very successful under you as well. But how much pressure is there on them? I think there's quite a lot of pressure on everybody that's involved in the in, in your programme. But that the pro- pressure mainly comes from ourselves. Everybody within the team is desperate to... To, to go out and carry on that success, ca- carry on um, and create the legacy, if you like, that, that the Great Britain Cycling Team has has created. And that's a standard um, for being the, the top nation in cycling. I think that everyone's also realistic that the game moves on. The number of events that we're, we will be able to dominate in will be will be fewer. The, the amount of competition we have internationally has definitely increased. The margins between uh, winning a medal, winning the event, uh, winning the gold medal and finishing fourth are, are smaller than ever before. Um, and and some of the, if you like, the, the low-hanging fruit that we were able to exploit in some of those early games has been, has been um, eaten up by much of our competition. So I don't think that we're going into the into the games expecting that we're going to have a replicate replica of, of past games. Uh, equally, I recognise that that was exactly the, the view in the run into Rio as well. Uh, so hopefully we'll have the same outcome. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, for sure, it's, it's far more competitive and we're seeing that. But uh, the good thing is that we are competitive in the majority of events. And we've also got a really good programme of activity moving towards Paris in 2024, which actually increases our competitiveness, particularly in events that perhaps we haven't been as competitive in in the past. So on track, our women's sprint, for example, who won a medal at the Europeans earlier, or just at the tail end of last year, um, they, they haven't qualified uh, women's sprint for the for the Tokyo Games, so that's in the run into Paris. But, but we haven't seen women's team sprint, you know, representing Great Britain for some for some time. So uh, it'll be great to see them back, and I'm very confident they will continue that progress all the way through to Paris. So we're working hard for Paris and to, as well as for Tokyo to try and make sure we've got that continuity. And I'm I'm very certain we'll be be there or thereabouts. But you can um, rest assured that everyone will feel the pressure. Uh, of that expectation of that weight, if you like, of representing the country when they get there. But that's um, it's that pressure and that expectation. That's what defines winners and losers, isn't it? The opportunity to deliver on a given day is what defines an Olympic champion from from somebody who wins at any of the other international events that we race at through the four-year cycle or five-year cycle, as it is this time. And, and Michael mentioned earlier about all the different cycling events. I think if you say to most people about the Olympics and British cycling, they'll think of the track team, as you mentioned, some of the events there. But yeah. Obviously, you know, the road race as well, potentially. But actually, BMX freestyle coming in. Um, yeah. We spoke, spoke to Declan Brooks this week, you know, and, yeah. and we've got a qualification place there. Is there a way of actually what you're looking at is winning some extra medals in some of those events that maybe not as 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 kind of in people's minds as the the, the track team uh, yeah we're trying to diversify if you like our medal winning so the 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 opportunities and the gains that we made particularly on track um particularly around the work done with aerodynamics um and positioning and um, the rest of the world has caught up on all that 
you know, and you can see that, you know, on the road, you'll have seen it today on the time trial in the Paris and Nice. Um, you're watching that, um, and indeed through the, the the variety of track events we've had. So we're trying to diversify into all of the other Olympic disciplines. Um, we also think that that's actually appropriate for the, if you like, the alignment of the world class program to the social agenda, because we, you know, we have a lot of people in this country who are riding mot- uh, mountain bikes, riding BMX bikes, people in city now inner cities on freestyle. Um, which is a new new Olympic event for us. And we want to try and uh, showcase and provide uh, role models and inspire the nation, inspire kids to get out in all of those different disciplines, not just think that, that, that Great Britain only races on track. Now, track still provides us with the lion's share of the medal opportunities. So, you know, for sure, we're, we're, we're not trying to let anything go in track. We're, we're absolutely still focused heavily on track. Um, but we've had some, some, um, some great performances if you like, in, in some of those other disciplines, in, uh, in, in freestyle, both men and women. Um, you mentioned Declan, but also Charlotte and uh, Charlotte Worthington has, has done well, world championship medalist. Uh, we've certainly you know, got high hopes for her um, qualifying and, and delivering well when she gets, gets to Tokyo. Um, you know, on the, on the BMX racing, we've got some, we've got some great performances, including European champion with, with Kai White. Um, and we're hoping that, that Beth Shriver and the women will be able to come through and uh, be fit for the fit for the games and, and move on. And we're we, you know we're still hoping that we get uh, qualification place in the mountain bike and the men. Um, you've you'll have seen in the press recently Tom Pidcock talking about his aspirations to to go and race at, at the Olympic Games. We still have to qualify a place. That's a challenge for us at the moment. Um, particularly because, as I was saying, because of the events and whether they take place, and there's and a lot of it we can't do anything about. But Tom uh, is a rider who has been delivering well. Won the won the won the under twenty threes at the World Championships um, just uh, at the tail end of last year at a time that was actually faster over the same course as the elites. Um, so you know, and then gone on through cyclocross. So he's um, and now in now on road racing is a still still podium in a third of his disciplines in the last six months. So we'd obviously be optimistic about his chances too, if we can actually get him to the, to the start line. Um, and in the women's mountain bike, we've got some great, some, some great riders there as well. Um, so we're, we're optimistic that we, we might even get two places if we can get the qualifications in, in the women's mountain bike. And, um, we've got two or three riders in women's mountain bike who we believe have got the potential to be medal competitive. So, yeah, I think um, we are trying to spread our efforts across all of the cycling disciplines. Hopefully that will serve us well in the long run. We think we've got a good chance of, of being competitive in some in Tokyo. For sure, that will improve our opportunities as we go towards Paris. So we're trying to play a little bit of a long game. Um, and at the same time, hopefully, we'll we'll inspire the nation to to take part in some of those other disciplines and for people to get out on their bikes at a time that is clearly important for everyone to maintain their their health and their exercise. Well, if like me, you're a father and you've been trying to buy your children bikes over the past six months, you'll know, Stephen, that you've certainly <laughs> been inspiring people to get on their bikes in the last year or so. I've got a question specifically about BMX freestyle for you in a moment, but I just want to return to the theme of the track. And on the eve of the track program beginning in Rio, I went and met one of your colleagues, Ian Dyer, for a, a cup of tea and a little bit of a briefing about what to expect. And he told me that, every member 
of that track team was capable and would probably win a medal. And that was not the perceived wisdom at the time outside of the sport, but that is what happened. Was Ian being supremely arrogant or is that supremely good in the way that you set your cycling team up ahead of an Olympic Games where you need to peak? I don't, I don't think Ian would have been uh, being arrogant. Um, I think it's good to hear that he was confident. Being, it's it's good to hear that he was being confident, um, and hopefully he will be be just as confident. I think um, for some of those events, it's easier to be more confident than others. So, for example, in the timed events, um, so the 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 timed sprint events, the the team pursuit, you know, which everyone will remember where you're four riders racing against each other, that, um, you know, the, the, those events, it's easier to be able to predict what your performance is going to be. Um, where, the, where it becomes a little bit harder is where you're doing the bunch racing events. So where you've got, uh, for example, the Madison, 50 kilometres for, for the men, 200 laps of the track, uh, almost certainly some, some crashing um, uh, you know, it's a huge, it's a long event with a lot of riders on on the track. So it's not just about your own performance, but it's also about the performance of others and the tactics you deploy on the day. Um, so you not just you don't just need to have the legs; you need to be able to have the brains to be able to deal with it right there, right then. And that that becomes far harder. Um, but I think that uh, I'd like to think that when we get to Tokyo, that you know, if you happen to bump into Ian. Uh, as uh, for a cup of tea that that he's certainly as confident in the majority of of the events and um, there's still a little bit of water to go under the bridge um it's about pulling everything together at the at the right time and as with any kind of really key athletic event there's a big part about tapering at the right time um interestingly somebody coming in from from uh, sailing into cycling uh, even though I knew how big, de- big a deal it was, I don't think I really had uh, a full understanding of, of what impact it can have uh, in, in those final days and that f- final performance. So hopefully that will all come together well as it has done over recent games and, and we'll be in a similar position. Um, certainly as we go into it, we're, we're confident that we've got strong medal, medal chances, but we are also realistic that there are other countries who... Um, who are just as competitive. There's a lot of people who have worked with the British cycling team um, over the years who are now employed by other countries around the world as well. So so some of that know-how has gone to those other countries. And of course, that's what makes competition the competition it is, you know, and and we'll get stuck into that and we'll race and uh, hopefully we'll win. And if we're not, we'll be gracious in defeat and we'll come back uh, fighting next time. And in terms of that track team, you've got the data, you've got the statistics, you know the analysis, but in something like BMX Freestyle, which comes in, we don't know. We simply don't know at the minute what a gold medal winning run in BMX Freestyle is going to look like because we've never had it before. So does that present a challenge then to you and your colleagues? Yeah, it does. Um, in both BMX events, they're also quite, what I would say, are high tariff events. You know, if you look at the BMX Freestyle, you don't actually know the course until you get there if you're lucky you might have had sight of the course maybe two or three weeks before you you race on it you've then got to you've got a minute to to deploy as many tricks as you possibly can in in that minute now if you think you can pull off a triple loop and land it and nobody else can do that if you can do it you know at the end of your run 
you maybe you pull it off and and you win the gold medal. Um, but equally, if you you know if you hit the ramp on the way down after you halfway through your run on the the second on your double loop corkscrew and you end up with your bottom on the track, then you're not you're, you're just not on the podium. Um, you might you might be unlucky and find that you end up in hospital. And it's uh, both both for BMX freestyle and BMX racing, there is a high injury rate. And one of our challenges actually between now and the games in, in those events is, is about how hard we encourage the riders to push in training. Because when they push to pull off some of those tricks or when they push to really go to the like right to the edge of the envelope, the, the risk of injury also increases. And if they get it wrong, then the risk is they get injured. And the risk of that is that they don't actually make the start line. Um, so they are high tariff sports. But that said, um, you know, we're trying to work hard to model what we can in the course, help the help the riders and their coaches pull together what, what the best run will look like. Um, and and of course balance up what we believe the tricks are that on the freestyle that our riders can pull off and, and deploy effectively. Um, and try and keep an eye on what the rest of the world are doing to, to judge whether or not we think that that's going to be competitive. But ultimately, you've got one minute, you have to get out there. Hopefully you come down in one piece, you get to the end of the run deployed successfully and it's um, it's better than everyone else. But yeah, subject of judging, high tariff, difficult to forecast. Well, we're certainly looking forward to that in, in Tokyo. Final one, Stephen, from us. Um, uh, how exciting is it actually? to be involved in two Olympics in three years because we've got Tokyo coming up and then with literally, by the time you're back, you're straight into, into Paris. Actually, being performance director of British Cycling is actually a really exciting next couple of years. Yes, that's, I mean, that's super exciting. You know, we we hear um, people quite often, you know, t- at the moment talking about challenges that, as we did here in this conversation, in the conversation about, you know, how we're all doing, uh, how are you doing from a wellness perspective, mental health perspective? You know, of course, we put a lot uh, into our program in the background in that mental health sp- strategy space. But right now, actually, people are talking about excitement about coming back after the the Olympics. Uh, you've then got the Paralympics. Then five weeks after the Paralympics, we're into the Track World Championships. Uh, we, you know, we're into the World Championship for some of our other disciplines before we get to Christmas, and then, and then hopefully after Christmas, we're into the the Para Track Worlds, and then we're into Nations Cup events um, on track and and qualification events for all our other non-track disciplines, running into uh, Commonwealth Games, European Championship, World Championships, in the twelve months that follow. You know, in the 12 months from the beginning of uh, the games at the, the end of July until uh, 12 months later into August in, in 2022, it's a hugely busy programme. And by the time you get to that point, you've already started and you've already done a, probably 30% of the qualification for the for the Paris uh, Olympic Games, which if it wasn't going to be in the UK, if it wasn't going to be a, you know, sort of a, a London uh, or a, an Edinburgh type, uh, games then Paris is pretty much as close as you can get to a home games and with with Tokyo looking like it's going to be very tough for for spectators to attend um, and the time shift is going to be be quite difficult for sure Paris is going to be exciting and with it being the a games which uh, obviously we all hope we'll be back to to the Olympics and Paralympics that we would expect 
then we would expect you know sellouts on tickets we would very much hope there'll be a huge british presence there huge support for british performance and you know working in in partnership with um, uk sport with the british olympic association british paralympic association the english institute of sport we are all all of those organizations and ourselves working already on paris and our paris um Paris plans uh, it's difficult because we've got that overlapping with what we've got to do in Tokyo and of course that's our first uh, primary objective but it is yeah to come back and think that you're straight into that is is super exciting and we've had conversations just had one today uh, with coaches with with some of our most experienced most decorated athletes who you would think probably are ready just to think about whether they, they have time to hang up their 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 cycling shoes. I say, no, 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 I'm going to be ready for the World Championships. I'm going to be straight there, straight after the Games. I'm going to come back, have a cup of tea and get straight on with it. I can't wait. It sounds, it, it sounds fantastic. And, um, and so we're just working hard with our academy riders because it's obviously an opportunity for our academy riders to sort of step up at the beginning of the cycle. And, they've, and their job, of course, is to try and make it really hard for those returning athletes to get their places for the next cycle and not think that they're just, um, you know, they can just roll on for another four years, that, that actually the level of competition uh, is is high. So we've got we've got some exciting times within Great Britain Cycling Team. And the hardest bit we're going to have is actually picking the team for each of those different events, uh, trying to give as many riders the opportunities that we want for them to, to show their potential. Because I can assure you, as they sit in each one of those disciplines, whether it's in the, around the back of the van with the mountain bikes in the Peak District or whether it's in the velodrome uh, around the, the timing screen, there is a lot of those athletes in the academy who are pretty desperate to displace our podium runners and really believe that they've got podium potential for Paris. So we're excited about Tokyo. Uh, it's going to run right on and uh, energy is high right through to Paris. So, yeah, it's super exciting right now. Great time to be involved Thanks. in Olympic and Paralympic sport. Quick final one from me then, Stephen. Settle an argument for me. A year ago, I was at the National Cycling Centre and Judy Harrington overheard me recording an intro which used the words medal factory and she told me off about it. Last week, we were interviewing Chris Boardman. He couldn't stop using the words medal factory about the National Cycling Centre. Where do you sit on the debate or would you prefer to answer that question in the autumn after the Olympics and Paralympics? Yeah, I mean, I... I <clears throat> You know, I think that um, is it a metal factory. Um, I, I'd like to think it's it's a performance factory, really. I suppose what what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an environment in Manchester, but also where we run our other activities. Not all of them, all the time in in the National Cycling Centre, but we're trying to create an environment um, that allows us to provide the best possible support to allow athletes to realise the potential. You know, and and if you like, we we create the we create the the platform but ultimately they've got a springboard to success it's the riders and their their talent they're the ones who've got to deliver at the end of the day um they've got to deliver literally on ed uh, and they don't get another chance next week they get a chance in three or five or four normally years time um but i think that we'd like to think we've got a pretty good process of 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 being a performance environment, high performance environment that gives people the best opportunity. Whether that ultimately becomes a factory for medals, well, yeah, time will tell, won't it? Thank you very much for your time today. You're welcome. Sports Social Podcast Network.